0: The cga tour a podcast unlike any other now your host calvin alexander welcome back to the latest episode of the CJ tour podcast for part two of the big 12 prediction preview and expansion i would say i'm still your host but i'm always the host so my is calvin um i got jake patrick and will rejoining me And we're basically talking the Big 12 expansion for part two of where we see OU and Texas doing in the SEC and what Big 12 schools could be added to make Big 12 stronger, a little bit better, or just kind of in the same level-ish with the SEC and Big 10, even though I think that's a a long shot right now. But with all that being said, Jacob, I'm going to throw it to you here. Big 12 is definitely in flux. There are several teams that are leaving in to OU and Texas and four teams that are joining here for too long but besides that the SEC and the Big Ten now are going to have 16 teams each when it's all kind of said and done after all the changes happen with UCLA and USC going to Big Ten with OU and Texas going to SEC Big 12 will have 12 teams uh, here in a little bit but who could you see the Big 12 adding to get to 16 kind of keep on the same level as the SEC and Big Ten at least in the expansion numbers
1: I think probably very similar to the other two. I was kind of surprised to see the um, the Pac-12 like end negotiations with the Big 12 because I I think it's a tough road for them going ahead. Um, They they don't really have a leg to stand on other than Oregon, and albeit that's a their Oregon's a great program, but. Some of the other ones are like really, really bad and they they've got some pretty bad lows in all sports. Um, and so I would probably say it would come from the, the pack 12 or that area of the country at least because the four were adding correct me from Cincinnati, UCF,
0: Houston and BYU.
1: Houston and BYU. So, I, I I wanted to make sure it was BYU. Since BYU is coming, I think very soon Utah might make a strong push to come into the Big Twelve, um, which I think would be very good for them because I also think that they are a very good program. I think um, they are they're very similar to how OSU kind of started to to move up very rapidly and just kind of become like really good in their conference really quickly. And then they're slowly starting to take on the national stage. So I think Utah could be that first domino that comes out of the PAC 12. And then, you know, if Utah comes, I'm sure Oregon would start making calls. Uh, Washington would start making calls. So I would see at least four of those teams coming from the PAC 12 I I don't know if, uh, if the Big 12 wants to add any more of maybe some of like, my conferences, but I think they would probably like to get some of those um, bigger money schools, especially in under any other sport. So that that's what I would go with. Um, but, you know, as of recently, the Pac-12 ended negotiations, which just seems like a really, really dumb idea for them to do.
0: So from several websites that like I look through of the Pac twelve, what would they do? Right? Cause this is this goes both ways. Why wouldn't the Pac Twelve also just try to go poach the Big Twelve teams too? And why wouldn't they try to get to sixteen teams or whatever and make them the lead school or the lead conference besides Big Twelve? They're talking about San Diego State as one of those teams. That's fair. San Diego State is a pretty good program overall with football and basketball. And that baseball from, I think, but they're not on the same level as the other Pac-12 schools, in my opinion. And they're not the same level as really any big 12 school that I can think of either. Now, football, I don't know, maybe here and there, but not really for KU even. You know, KU is just different in uh, basketball versus San Diego State could ever be at this point. I'm curious to see who the Big 12 ends up adding, but the schools that like are in serious talks as of July 6th, and I think this was kind of the Pac-12 merger-ish, but this is from The Athletic, is Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Oregon, Utah, and Washington. Of those, it's weird for me not to think that Stanford would be in the mix. Stanford has, and I made the joke earlier, but... Stanford has the most amount of championships in college athletics. It's kind of weird. They wouldn't be one of the teams with all the strong media base and historic. I mean, over the last 10, 12 years, they've been pretty darn good in football. Not the greatest ever, but that's kind of Oregon for the conference. You can't add in UCLA or USC. They're both going to the Big Ten, which is why we're talking about this. But I don't know, Will or Patrick, could you see the Big 12 expanding where they add in like a like a Louisville or a team kind of over on the Eastern? Side of the U.S. as well, and not just look to the Pac-12 and the West Side.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, expansion definitely has to be coastal, either way, either West or East. And but I, I think the Pac-12 is much more ripe for the picking than the ACC at this point. I know the ACC's current meteorite steals and all run a pretty long time. I'm sure if teams wanted to get out of that and leave the conference, they could. But it sounds like they're pretty locked in there and the PAC 12 is a lot less on, on a lot less sure of ground, if that makes sense. Um, and I don't know, I think San Diego state would be an interesting pickup. I know we kind of established that they're not really on the same tier, especially in football, which I mean, football is driving realignment conversations like basketball is great. I think a lot of schools provide a lot of value in basketball, but football ultimately is what's going to decide these and football media markets will ultimately, really drive the conversation. So I feel like San Diego state would be a decent pickup. I think after a few years of selling themselves as the big 12s, West coast team, pending whoever else was added, they could rise up a little bit and compete. But ultimately I don't think every decision being made is to say, Oh yeah, let's add, you know, team X, who's going to immediately compete for the conference. That's not really what's driving it.
3: Yeah, I would also say I, I think a lot of this hinges on Oregon because Oregon eventually is going to have to make a decision about whether they think it's worth joining the Big 12 or basically propping up the Pac-12. Um, so I, I do think like, <clears throat> excuse me, if, if, if Pac-12 teams were going to join the Big 12, I would definitely throw Utah and the two Arizona schools in there. Cause I think that's an easier transition for them. But then if you want to, if you wanted to add four, obviously the big dog is Oregon. And like you say, all regions are kind of thrown out the window now. Anyway, we already have UCF joining, like that's all the way on the East coast. I could also see, you know, we mentioned, um, you know, it brought it to mind with Shane Ellingworth, but Nevada is someone who's in who's who could be in that conversation. Um, you probably wouldn't see like an Air Force. I'm just thinking about like like higher tier uh, group of five teams, sort of like a Cincinnati or like a BYU. Um, but I think I think the Arizona schools make a lot of sense. Uh, I, I'm not sure where the Pac-12 gets left after this, and I think Oregon and Washington and and like you say, possibly Stanford. Um, they're kind of going to determine their fate here. And I'm just—I'd be curious to see what Oregon is thinking money-wise, because Oregon doesn't necessarily rely on the TV money the way that some of these uh, some of these other schools do. So I, I think it's fascinating. I think you're—I think you're exactly right. I think the ACC is is probably not going to send anybody to the Big Twelve. The ACC, like they're—they're they're either going to win or lose this battle to join the SEC, whether or not they can get out of their their TV rights deal, which I think is in place for another like twelve to fourteen years or something. So if the ACC isn't able to get out of that, they're kind of stuck. Um, and then the SEC is basically going to have to poach individual schools if they want them. So I don't necessarily see the Big Twelve involved in that. I don't think I don't think the Big Twelve and the ACC are going to overlap much. But I also don't necessarily see if if Oregon goes to the Big Twelve suddenly five other schools are going to be scrambling to do so also.
1: Yeah. From what I've heard about the ACC, they have some sort of like clause in their rights agreement where if half of the schools agree to leave all at the same time, then that contract is nullified. So not they that, all have to do it yeah, they all have to do it together. But in th- this, I, I think I heard this on Titus and Tate, Will, where they were talking about it. But it, the primary issue where people are running into the ACC is basketball. Because those, I mean, Duke and UNC are two massive basketball markets. And then you've got a Clemson football market, and then, you know, like a UVA, Virginia Tech, and then they've got to figure out what to do with Maryland, who I know is in the Big Ten, but they've got to they got to figure that out. Uh, that's
2: that's always been a weird fit.
3: Well, don't forget Miami, yeah. Florida State. Like the, these, these mm-hmm. are teams that that actually have some money behind them. So I'd be right. I mean, those Clemson football wise, at least Clemson, Miami, and Florida State. They're going to set the tone for the ACC, sort of like. Oregon now that now that USC is out, Oregon kind of needs yeah. to set the tone for the Pac-12. And I mean, this is an opportunity. I mean, who is going to lead the Big 12 at this point? Cuz like you had you had Texas who frankly controlled the money of the Big 12 and you had Oklahoma who was winning everything on the field in the Big 12. So now that you have both the money power and the football power leaving, you know, is OSU going to be the the dominant force in the Big Twelve? Is it going to be Baylor? You know, I think Cincinnati could potentially come in and win this thing. Like, like if if Luke Fickle, like that's a great program that he's built, and and they absolutely deserved to be in the playoff last year. I think Cincinnati, even if Luke Fickle gets a better job somewhere else, you know, if they if they let him take over a giant program, I feel like Cincinnati is still going to. Compete for Big Twelve championships once they join.
0: I I do too. I I think since I think Luke Fickle staying at Cincinnati and not taking a rumored Iowa State job if Matt Campbell had left, granite or whatever, or Luke Fickle not just the leaving Notre Cincinnati Dame. for yeah, um for other jobs as well too shows that he he believes Cincinnati can really make an impact in the Big Twelve and be a force. I mean, in that Ohio market as well, that's a good TV market. The, the main thing that I, com- that I think about when it's like expansion is, okay, what are these teams adding in? Like by going and getting a Houston, are you adding more viewers from the Houston market? For sure. Like you are without a doubt. And you're trying to maybe replace some of those Texas viewers, you know, that are leaving, right? You're trying to replace it with something. BYU, okay, you're trying to get some of the Salt Lake City area. So if you get Utah, you're trying to get that area as well too. UCF, trying to get some of the Florida market. You're really trying to expand into other markets to get that viewership. And UCF, we were talking about this the other day, Patrick, UCF versus USF have gone a completely separate direction since they have basically in the past, what, 10, 12 years or so? You know, I'm not going to put necessarily an exact year on it, but UCF it's relevant. USF is just just not on the same page anymore. I think in 07 we were talking about it's when they were kind of no, notable. But we're not talking about USF at all. If we're talking about the Pac-12 at least, what... I have found it's interesting, at least, is the Pac-12 TV performance rankings from the past five years, 2016 to 2021. Number one is USC, which is not – I mean, they're going to the Big Ten. But number two is Washington. And number three is Oregon. And number four, believe it or not – and it's kind of hard for me to understand this – is Washington State. And so what I'm looking through – now, getting all this off of sportsmediawatch.com. So that's where I'm getting the information. You know, five is Stanford, and then six is UCLA. Again, we can't get them. And seven's Utah, so I'll stop there for a little bit. But Utah, completely, a, a totally relevant football team who played in the Rose Bowl last year and has a ton of viewership in that Salt Lake City media market. Oregon, they would be the driving force. Washington, getting more of the Seattle market. Washington State, getting more of the Seattle market, too. They'd be incredible pickups to add to Big 12, team i think that's funny about all this is colorado aren't they just kicking themselves like why do we ever leave i mean i know they see themselves way more as a pac 12 type of school with the guys like the students who go there are a lot from california and a lot western like west coast kids who go to colorado but i mean i think they'd be doing okay in the big 12 probably better a lot better than kansas um maybe on the same part as k-state or so hmm
1: the teams leave the Big Twelve have not fared very well.
0: Yeah, do, do we think Texas A and M's like, man, thank goodness we left because our team performance has been so much better. I mean, I know their money's been better. I mean, that's that's the clear indicator, and that's what's driving all of this. So, but like, yeah, Nebraska.
2: I mean, I I think I think Texas A M and is happy about being in the SEC and leaving the Big Twelve. I think I think that's pretty. What is A&M? the profile? the profile of the program is just so much higher than it ever was in the big 12 where it was always, well, there's Texas A&M and Oh, there's Texas. You know what I mean? Like it was always Texas A&M was always second thought in the state to Texas. And now moving to the SEC, God, 10 years ago now that's crazy how time flies like that. Um, it's just raised them up. I mean, now you think of those two almost as equals and all obviously maybe not trophy wise yet, but, in terms of national profile and all, I think this year pretty on par. And that was the goal in the move to the SEC. Well, well this, yeah,
0: this I, leads me into asking I, you the, the question that I want to ask about OU you go the SEC, right? You guys have for better or for worse kind of ran the big 12. I don't want to say that necessarily because it hurts, but you guys have just had a ton of success in the big 12. I mean, Texas is the most recent big 12, excuse me, national champion from the big 12, but are you going as a as an OU fan, right? I'm not saying you know you're not going to get paid more money because they're always going to the SEC, right? You may see a lot more games on national TV, but from your actual fandom of truly winning, do you like the move for OU going to the SEC?
2: Oh yeah, I do. And that's not me saying I think oh we're going to go in and immediately become Alabama. Totally, you know fair. What I mean yeah. Like, but I am very excited about it. Um, I just I find it. A lot easier to get excited about okay so obviously the top tier conference games are always going to be fun like Bedlam OU Texas Baylor recently even Iowa State recently those are always exciting games and all but I find it a lot easier to get excited about away at Ole Miss versus away at Texas Tech or vice versa just swap out any of those kind of like flash in the pan every once in a while successful teams in the conferences and all I find that as a fan, a lot more exciting. And I know we probably won't win the conference every year as we have had a pretty good record over the last several years in the Big 12. Not this past year, of course, but before that. That's undeniable. Um, But I think Venables and the staff he's brought in are positioning OU to recruit at the top of the SEC. We're not at the top, but up there with the... Bama's and Georgia's and Texas A&M's which is still wild to say that A&M is recruiting like that.
3: Um, well, I mean, it clearly worked out for them that move. You know. <laughs> uh,
2: I mean, they have had a pretty decent streak of top Will, 10, top they, 15
3: classes. But oh yeah. Well, but I mean, but are they recruiting?
1: Are they are they recruiting or is it like the highest bidder? <laughs> well, I mean, mean, it's it. I mean, the NIL deals, that's what everyone's That's the reality think, now. If you think yeah. kids
2: weren't getting paid? and induced in recruitment in the past, I think oh, I, I have yeah. some uh, beachfront real estate like, to sell you in, you know, Iowa.
1: No, notorious, notorious uh, clean man, Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> Just he, he always follows oh, it by yeah. the book. A
2: perfectly
3: um, truthful man in his I mean, his not, I
2: mean he, he's yeah. not wrong with with the whole Saban, like, dust up this year. He's not wrong, you know, they didn't do anything illegal, you know, technically speaking. <laughs>
3: And also, <laughs> yeah, Saban's just, not just, wrong when he says they bought their class. You know? Oh, yeah, <laughs> like, no, they're 100%. both right. It's I mean, okay. they, they, both
2: sides are technically not wrong. Like, he, um, he he hasn't done anything illegal this year. That we know Actually, of. Their class, is kinda, their class is kind of rough right now. I know it's pretty early still in the recruiting cycle, but they're, uh, yeah, they're anyone not that great right now.
1: Floor, anyone who coached at Florida State has done something illegal.
2: Yeah, I mean, and I actually I have the two, four, seven rankings of the last couple years pulled up right now, and I mean, Texas A and M has had a top ten class 19, 20, 21 and twenty two. I mean, it, they've clearly the moves to the SECs raised the profile in that aspect and all. And I mean, you start accumulating uh, more talent, you're going to start competing.
3: Sorry, yeah, where, where's Texas on those last few years? I'm just curious because bad. Had, not bad. Really good. Yeah. I'm not, I think yeah, we've so been on par. Year,
2: yeah. Last year, composite number five. I mean, that was a ridiculous O-line recruiting class, which mm-hmm. was, you know, the area that I think Texas needed to focus. Big time. Um, year before that, 15, which I mean, again, not bad. Could be better. Eight in 2020. Pretty good. Top 10 class. 19. Number three. So yeah, Texas recruits pretty well too. Yeah. Maybe I think just adding that SEC brand, that, objectively helps improve recruiting, especially with big name programs like that.
3: And that's where like every year with Tom Herman and, and even with Charlie strong, like we were, we were pulling in, like you say, top 15 classes and these guys oh, yeah. weren't going anywhere. Like that's where, yeah. and that's why yeah. I think now you got you to develop the, the
2: talent then from there. But I mean,
3: yeah. And that's, that's what we haven't been doing. So, and I, I think, and, and as it relates to the sec move, I also think Texas decided when they fired Herman, we need to become Bama. And they said, you know, so the most obvious way to do that was to hire, you know, Saban's right-hand man at the time and hence in his rotating door of, of right-hand men, but to, to get Sarkeesian. And we just kind of started doing things like, like Bama does. Like we started pumping way more money into the football program, like making, like putting more effort into game day and whatever. And then like, the the athletic director Chris Del Conte like he's just put so much effort into trying to make Texas like a football destination again, and I, I, I feel like these SEC talks just came out of that, and when and apparently it took you know months for of course for it to get solidified, but I think they decided we want to be Bama, you know we want to do this like Bama, we want to recruit this way like Bama, we want to hire Bama's people. Sarkeesian brought five of Saban's assistants with him who are still on staff. So it's like they I think they just decided, hey, why not go all the way? Why not just literally compete with Bama, you know? So so I I like Texas's chances long term. I mean, I think Notre Dame or not Notre Dame. Not, uh, I I think I think Texas is going to have some growing pains for sure on the football field like I can usually count on Texas and I've I've talked about this several times to drop, you know, several stupid big 12 games a year, you know, lose to like a Kansas State or a Texas Tech or a Kansas recently. Like they're gonna drop more than a few, you know, to decent SEC teams like Mississippi State, you know, like Auburn. These are teams that will that will beat a mediocre Texas team badly. And that and I think I I I, I'm I can mentally prepare for that in our first few years. Now, of course, this year is gonna set the tone in a big way for the future. Like we'll we'll see what we'll see how we do this year, you know, playing Bama, like second year under Sark, new new quarterback. You know, we've talked about this already. But I think I think I think Texas will have some growing pains. I, I'm with you that Oklahoma, you know, the, the they may hit the ground running quicker. They they certainly might, and we'll we'll just have to see.
2: I think for both programs, it all just depends on well, so first of all, we're not gonna be in the SEC next year in the twenty twenty three season, that's pretty much off the table at this point. Yeah. I think twenty twenty four is gonna be the year, but of course Chris Del Conte and Joe Siglione are, you know, both bound to saying, oh when when our contract ends with the Big Twelve 2025, but I think it'll yeah. happen quicker than that once the Big Twelve has gotten some new teams in next year, et cetera, and all. So it just all depends on the work done in the next two years, be it recruiting, be it facility upgrades and all. And I think both programs are looking pretty good on both those fronts. I think mm-hmm. they both understand the challenge that they are undertaking with this move. And I think they're both putting in work and taking the steps needed to get there. So I don't, I'm not saying again that OU and Texas are going to go in and immediately play each other for the SEC championship. But I know a lot of people say, oh, Texas is going to have trouble with Vanderbilt no, and stuff like that. And I don't see that. Being, I mean, meaning aside, I don't see that being the pot, the, the the truth, you know, the future.
3: Yeah, like like Texas losing to Kansas it is it's truly like inexplicable. Like like I don't know how I don't know how that happened, let alone multiple times in five years. So that's that's tough. I, I'm I'm totally with you. I I do think like. I think it's it, it might turn into less of a question of how does Texas adjust to the move to the SEC. I also think the SEC is gonna need to adjust to Texas, especially, but also Texas and OU, like like being there too. Like Texas is gonna take a lot of eyeballs. Like these these uh, you know, the what would be an example, like like an LSU Auburn game. You know that that would normally be like you know a seven o'clock you know prime time ESPN game or whatever. <clears throat> Texas is going to take a lot of those big time TV time slots. Like that's just the way it is. So yeah, I, I sure. think a, a, a rising tide lifts all boats. You know, a more valuable SEC conference is a is better for all the teams involved. You know, in some capacity. But I also think like there is only so much time you know for all of these teams to be on tv and i think texas is going to be on tv a lot so i think i think some of the mid-tier sec schools even if they're equal to texas on the field let's say because i think texas as a football team like i think it's fair to lump them in with the auburns and you know the um maybe the floridas you know like, like arkansas is that arkansas you know, yeah we'll be seeing them a lot um but
2: I think I, I'm really curious to see how they
3: handle scheduling and
2: all. Once the SEC expands to what 16 teams with Texas and OU, Adam. sixteen
3: plus, yeah,
2: yeah. I, I I really like the idea of the pods that gets floated around a lot. The like 4, the four 14 four. pods. I think like where you have three permanent opponents each year and then rotate the rest. I think that's the best plan. I think. Um, I think I saw something about media days recently where it didn't sound like Greg Sankey was talking about how that wasn't like the plan as Mm -hmm. of now, I think that would be the best. But if that were to be the plan, what do you think your ideal pod of four teams would be, including
3: Texas? Oh, that, I mean, that's simple for me. I think, I think it's, it's OU, it's A&M and it's Arkansas because we used to play A&M obviously. And it's a travesty that that doesn't happen anymore. Like, like the, me in like me going to college at texas a and m was really not even on the radar as like a rival like just because we don't see them anymore like it was yeah they've they've, anyway OU is the rival now um and it'd be awesome to have two of them and now arkansas and texas have a lot of history you know back in the in the southwest conference and all that and like some uh, the national championship game back in 61 was that 69? I don't remember. Darrell K. Royal, uh, some Texas purists, if they're listening are, are, are shouting me down for the shouting the year at me, but I don't remember which year. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's your pod right there because, because the yeah. Texas Arkansas game, their non-conference game this past year had giant viewership. Like that, that was a, that was a huge game. On that was ESPN. The, uh, yeah.
2: I think that was like the game of the week in terms of like time slot and all that week.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and Texas, you know, they got, they got run out of, out of town. So, um, I think, I think that's your four. How would, how would OU feel about that?
2: I mean, I think that sounds ideal. I, I mean, they obviously can't separate OU and Texas entering the league together, because it's a pretty historic rivalry, first of all, but you got to have the new guys stick together too. Um, I would like to play A&M. My, my dad's an Aggie alum, so I would love to have that game every year back and forth. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, Arkansas would be cool. So I feel like that's always been just kind of an unspoken on sort of silent rivalry, just because due to proximity and all. And I feel like actually playing would really let that evolve into something serious and all. I think I sent Jake a tweet about that earlier, actually, where Jimbo Fisher said something about how he viewed AM's rivals as so-and-so, which led an OU fan to think, oh, I guess OU might be getting... Arkansas and their pod then due to what Greg Sankey was saying about that feeling right or whatever and I think that'd be awesome I think that would really boil over and turn into a pretty serious rivalry because I like uh, Sam Pittman the head coach. I I like what he's doing there. They're recruiting pretty well. He's really turning that program around from what they have been I mean looking back to the end of the Bobby Petrino era a lot of things have changed
3: And who was there who was their in-between guy was it Morris? Oh my God! Yeah, yeah he, oh God! They were bad. They were bad. He just ended up at USF. Actually, they need. He's I mean, <laughs> they need some help. I don't know if he's the analyst. one to give it to him.
2: He wasn't Allen. He's an awesome the left analyst. after last year. Yeah, yeah. Allen High School, by the way, for those who aren't uh, familiar with you know I, Dallas area yeah. high school football.
1: I think growing up in the South, you know, I always knew about Oklahoma and Texas. That was just kind of a given. Um, Texas A&M is a fundamentally irrelevant football program, Thank in you. my eyes. They always have been. They they mean nothing to me. They have done nothing successful. They are all this. Like that. That's what they are. You you might beat Bama once once every four to five years now. And and that's it. And you know, Ole Miss, same thing. They beat Florida that one year when Tebow was there. Like they they get their lumps in. And granted, yeah, are they better football program? Ole Miss, definitely is. Is is A and M? I don't know. I I genuinely don't know because I never considered them like worth anything. So it's it's hard for me to you know, and I I. I only learned about Texas and Texas A&M being a rivalry once, once I went to OSU and kind of knew about that because to me, Texas A&M was just like there like, yeah, they are breathing, but they don't do anything. And in my opinion, they still don't do anything. What like, congratulations. You, you got Johnny Manziel. Like, yeah, you want a cookie and, and you fork over the biggest bags from your donors I, you know, and it, it's, it's never close for me, them being a program that I'm like, yeah, this is it. Now, obviously, I'm not sitting there in, in a boardroom looking at down or, or funding or who has the biggest checkbook or any of that. But if I'm just a fan, there is nothing that I'm like, yup, Texas A&M. They're going to push our conference over that hill. They're going to do it. No. Because the SEC didn't need them. The SEC never needed them.
3: Well, the SEC, the SEC doesn't, doesn't need OU or, or,
1: or
2: Texas either.
3: Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, the really? SEC doesn't need anybody, but I think they're more no. excited to be getting Texas than they were to be getting a and I
1: would agree with that.
3: Oh, yeah. Um. And it would be cliche, it would be cliche for me to just agree with everything you just said because I don't wanna be, you know, I don't wanna I don't wanna seem biased. Um, but but I agree. I I mean A M, yeah, they recruit well, like they have awesome facilities, they have an awesome stadium, they have an awesome fan base. Like I'll give them all of that. But I also like they talk a big game just for being in the SEC. Like they, I think to them, that is half the battle because it's one thing that Texas doesn't have yet. So AM they're, is very, very proud Texas of the A&M, fact that they're just in the SEC.
1: Texas AM and is the guy at the bar that like got the sympathy hot girl number. That's what they are. Oof. They're like, Hey, I got that girl's number. And they're like, I'm in the SEC. And they're like, yeah, nobody cares, dude.
3: because that uh,
1: anecdotal, Jake? Or is it's that only because a...
3: he's rich.
1: Both, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's because he's rich. Yeah.
0: <laughs> then it's not anecdotal.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, uh, but I want to ask, uh, well, Patrick, I want to ask you guys this question because if Oklahoma State joined the SEC, like, for example, what I would be worried about or what I would have um, issues about is being marginalized, right? All of a sudden going from a Big 12 team that, you yeah, we just did Big 12 preview where we're talking about Oklahoma State being 9-3 to 11-1, somewhere in that window, to go into the SEC where it's all of a sudden, okay, well, it uh, could be tough, right? I mean, there's the Tennessee, there's the Vanderbilts, there's the Kentuckys, which even when I'm naming those schools, like, all right, Vanderbilts probably, but, you know, Kentucky and Tennessee aren't bad at all. And so, and you know, I know the past five years, but still the Kentuckys has been bad. I, I just... I'd worry about being marginalized. I worried about going from a school where in my mind, Oklahoma state has a better chance at winning the national championship, that's what I, that's where I want to be. So do you guys think that this is kind of the best case for not only more national TV wise stuff and, you know, more money for the programs where you guys can actually, you know, spend that money towards the football program and towards the NILs and all type of stuff where it really does raise, like, I mean, you guys are saying, right. You know, you know, raises the sea level, raises all boats, right? So, is that more of it? And I'm just kind of too afraid as an Oklahoma State fan who's had recent success, but let's say, say before, before 2000, I know Oklahoma State hasn't always been in the Big 12, but before 2000, I'm not talking about time of success for Oklahoma State before Gundy. I'm not talking about time of success for Oklahoma State. So Does that mean more just being a, a very worried and pessimistic Oklahoma State fan of you know of what if we join a new conference or is this? Is this something you guys think about too? Of okay, well, if oh, you go SEC, like you can play an SEC championship game, you know, every year, or you know, seven out of every ten years, or whatever it's been right now for OU in the Big Twelve. I think so. It, let uh,
3: me, uh, Pat. You want to go, ahead, Patrick? Oh, just quickly. I mean, I think the, um, I think, I think Oklahoma State. It's it's just a big fish in a little pond argument. I, I mean, I and for Oklahoma State, yes, I think that's better. I, I think I think Oklahoma State would be better served to stay where they are. And and Will, I wanna hear I wanna hear you like contrast OSU with OU in that sense. But what I would what I would say about Texas is like they I think Texas has an equal chance of winning a national championship in the Big Twelve and the SEC. Like Texas already has, you know, top ten recruiting classes every year. They're getting five star guys, like they're recruiting the state of Texas extremely well. And that is talent enough for you to win a national championship. And they also don't need SEC money the way that some other teams do. So like that's where I think tech like Texas, I don't I don't think Texas needed to make this move. I I I think they sort of started the dominoes falling on like a money-centric college football, which I'm not super happy about. Um, but I also think like Texas is on the field product, you know, between their recruiting and their coaching staff and their funding and everything. I think that they already have all the resources that they need to win. I don't think that the sec is adding anything to Texas's national championship chances. Would you feel that way about OU will?
2: I actually, that kind of leads perfectly into what I was going to say in the first place uh, about you saying that you don't really see a net impact in National championship chances for Texas entering the SEC versus being in the Big 12. I think what we haven't really mentioned yet is that so technically these moves are supposed to happen in 2025. What also happens in 2025 is when the college football playoff expansion talks are going to be serious and all, and when the playoff could actually be expanded. Because I know last time the committee met and they agreed that they want to expand, but they don't know how to yet, so they're going to push it down the road and all. Um, but 2025 is when the current rights with ESPN end. Mm. And that is when, at very least, when the playoff would expand. And OU in Texas going into the SEC, playing, sorry, Jake, an SEC schedule against those opponents and all, even going 10-2, 11-1, missing the SEC championship game, that puts them in a lot better position to make an expanded college football playoff. And that's where the money and the exposure really, really is and like Patrick said not really a net gain I think not really a net difference I think there actually is a net gain with considering the expansion of the playoffs in national championship chances because with an 8 or 12 team playoff you have that many more chances to. was that Andy Jake? Of course. <laughs> I knew it <laughs> but with playoff expansion and with playing in one of the premier
3: might lost a little bit there. Oh yeah. Well at any, I, I hope he comes back But that. That's a great point. I mean, I think the, um, I think that is inevitable. I think it's going to get expanded. I mean, most of the talk we're hearing is 12 teams, which seems like a lot. Um, and yeah, that's a huge, like it's a great point. And I, and I think, I think you're right that the, the scenario for Texas in the big 12 to make the college football playoff in its current iteration is to win the big 12 championship and have one loss or less probably. you know mm-hmm. like like that's and honestly that goes for OU also. you know if OU runs the table, wins the big 12, they're in the playoff, even if they lose along the way, most likely. A one loss big uh, a one loss power five champion usually makes the playoff. So the problem is in the in the SEC, the SEC still, you know, the SEC often gets two teams in, like we're used to that. But Texas is not going to go to the to the SEC and be a top two team. It's going to be Bama and Georgia, you know, or it or it could be Bama and for LSU. the foreseeable
2: future, yeah,
3: yeah, cor- correct. So so now once Texas, you know, once once Texas and OU have been in the SEC for five years, ten years, like things are even out, and we'll know exactly where we're at, but. At this point, yeah, that's a, that's a great point, and I and I think too, like, um, I think even if it expands to eight teams, for example, I think you're right that the SEC, the the second tier SEC teams, will still benefit the most from that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely yeah. see a better possibility of the Big Twelve. Like, in let's say it's eight or twelve teams, I see it way more likely that the Big Twelve gets one to two teams, and the SEC gets three to four you know, if there's 8 to 12, you know, college football mm-hmm. playoff teams, right? Like, mm-hmm. then I, you Especially know,
2: if they don't you know, have any sure. automatic qualifiers, which is what I'm pretty sure the ACC and Pac-12 voted against in the last expansion talks and all, which they kind of shot themselves in the foot with that, yeah. in my opinion. But yeah, hardcore there. That was... it, but but it's, if, it's it's all, if it's all just based yeah. off ranking and all, then, I mean, yeah, the SEC and the Big Ten, just by virtue of what they are, I'm not saying if that's fair or not, are going to have probably several teams in the playoff each year, which dramatically increases the chances of a national championship for OU, Texas, and all those other SEC teams that are most likely going to be right behind Bama and Georgia.
0: Because I I think if, in this scenario, and which is what's going to happen, like right in the future, here (laughs) in five years, I think that OU being one of the top two teams in the Big 12 year in, year out, is realistic. I think that... OE being one of the top three to four schools or four, you know, three to four teams in the SEC is realistic too. So either way, it's kind of the same at that point, right? Like on your college football playoff chances. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so that, I mean, that adds to it, which is definitely helpful. And maybe it is just much more of the Oklahoma State like recent success versus histor- historic success. But I'll, I'll ask you this one. If How do you view like the 20... How do you view the Baker Heisman Trophy season and the Kyler Murray Heisman Trophy seasons? Like, are those like, oh, my gosh, those are historically amazing seasons for OU. Can't believe I was, you know, able to watch those and remember him and all type of stuff. And, like, those are one of the tops, you know, let's say, like, three or four seasons you can remember. Or are those just, they were great, but wish we had one whole thing? Because in my mind as an Oklahoma State fan, Those would be seasons where we'd be, you know, making a statue for Barry Sanders, right? I mean, like, there's, you know, there's Heisman Trophy winners. So, it's an amazing season overall, but maybe I should just say, like, if you made the cultural playoffs, is that like, oh my gosh, can't believe it, because I think that's where I'm as an Oklahoma State fan. Because if we had beat Baylor, that's why that game, that's why in part one we're talking about that Baylor Big 12 championship game so much. If we beat Baylor, we probably, maybe not, but we might have been in cultural playoffs. So that would have been historic success for us. And maybe that's just the difference here between all three schools.
2: So I feel like I kind of have a unique, I guess, perspective on this because I didn't grow up an OU fan. I became an OU fan when I toured the school, applied, got in, decided I wanted to go there, which was in fall of 2013, which wasn't an amazing OU football season. I mean, I did win the Sugar Bowl against Bama. That was pretty cool. That was like the third or fourth OU game I had watched as like a you know, like like I'm an OU fan now. Um, that was pretty cool. Twenty fourteen season, Trevor Knight, all the high has been hype. So that season sucked. We went eight and five that year.
3: Trevor and Knight, the really... rare uh, the rare double <laughs> whammy, Aggie and Sooner just. Yeah, just, that's ugh,
2: that's a rare combo. That's a tough one. Yeah. Um, but then we kind of talked about in part one how other OU fan friends you have, Calvin, talked about last year's of like the sky is falling ten and two, like it's the end of the world and all that. I. I never really saw it that way. I'm not saying I have more longevity as an OU fan than people who've been on this ride for decades and all, but I started off with a kind of uh, a bad year, especially my OU standards and all that. It's kind of given me a unique perspective on that. But with like the Baker Heisman year, the Kyler Heisman year, I mean, that was really awesome. I love that. Like just some of the best football I've ever seen. I was really, honestly blessed to be a student during both of those. Shout out to my one extra semester victory lap, as we talked about earlier. Um, for Kyler's year but I just it at the end of the day it just feels kind of I won't say empty but just a little unfulfilled because you not get over the hump especially with that Baker team against against Georgia in the Rose Bowl I mean that was just that's one of my top two worst sports memories along with the 2011 World Series but I don't want to talk about that because that just ruins my mood every time but I uh, just I felt a little just kind of unfulfilled like i said with those two seasons like yeah awesome heisman that's awesome we won the big 12 made the playoff but i just want us to get over the hump so bad
0: gotcha you know i think that helps out a lot because for i, w- I want to say i don't want to generalize every oklahoma state fan but for myself for sure like my dad went to oklahoma state my stepmom went to oklahoma state like i mean i've been born bred a cowboy for i don't know how long now it's jake knows but any success for us is like amazing but I'd still think I think of last season we won 12 games like that was that's that's a season for the record books and I'm curious how Jake thinks about that season because we could have won the big 12 championship right we had seven chances there at the goal line and we we're so close but Jake's kind of both thing a little bit too well where he didn't think about Jake you're, you're, you grew up more or less a Florida fan right where you were thinking about coming to Oakland State yeah for the sports media program and then kind of become an Oklahoma state fan and now fully an Oklahoma State fan. How do you how do you view like last season of Brooklyn State? Do you think that was because I do you think that was an incredibly great season, or do you I mean growing up as a Florida fan with Tebow winning the whole deal, you know, and Florida winning back to back?
1: I I think growing up as a Florida fan, every single season we have is underwhelming. That's just you know, that's how it is. I mean, I saw Billy Donovan win back to back national championships in basketball i saw them win uh football one of those years and then football the next year after the basketball one so that there was like four just slammed in and those that was like you know growing up a florida fan that was a really good era to be a florida sports fan especially as a young kid now it it gave me some like unrealistically high traumatic expectations because now I go into OSU and I'm just like, you know, where are the expectations? Where, where are the, the hard hitting, you know, why, why aren't we more critical about some of the things that we should be doing in year 17? You know, that kind of stuff where other programs, I mean, hell, even Texas A&M has it and they don't deserve it. I mean, Texas A&M to me is just, I wouldn't consider them too far off from OSU, just in general, especially since Gundy. Like they, they got money, but, but what are, you know, my expectations, OSU should be in the big 12 championship every single year regardless of Texas or OU being in the Big 12. That's my expectations. And it's
0: disappointing that it has only happened one time. It's only been around for six years, but you, but you're right. I'm, I mean, I'm with you. I'm not trying to take away from the point.
1: Because, right. And because, you know, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, over the last six years, OSU has been record wise the second best team in the big 12 but has only played one time in the big 12 nat- in the big 12 championship which they lost i don't want to get on my gundy rant but that dude is just plateaued i mean jim Knowles carried him last year carried he was carried to the to the end of the year Jim Knowles carried him
0: in the bowl game. Well, I do have a question for you about that, though. Notre Dame scored thirty three points, and they're missing the running back. Was he- now my my
1: combat to that is well, you know about this. Um, Jack Cohn is terrible, and that is the best <laughs> game he's ever played in his life. That and and sometimes you're just going to have that, and that was that game. Jack Cone is objectively a bad quarterback, but he was a draft pick. on the game. Book, <laughs> that's yeah, all. That's the no, only praise I can Seb- give him. And Sebastian Janikowski was drafted in the first round, um, but I I think the thing is. With what, um, with what Jim Knowles did last year is he always gave that leash. In the first half, defensively, he always was kind of like, hey, literally run your game plan on us, and then you're not going to score a point in the second half. Notre Dame just ran their game plan a little bit too well because Jack Cohn looked like Tom Brady for two quarters. But then once we actually felt like we started playing defense then, then things were different, but yeah, it it's, I I would say every year is, is relatively underwhelming as an OSU fan, because I think the, the national media one doesn't put the pressure on us. Like we should. And an OSU fan general don't put the pressure on us because they're like, Oh, you know, think about how bad we used to be. And I'm like, well, most people don't care, you know, and, and I'm one of those people. I don't care how bad OSU used to be. I care how they are now. It, ironically, as we know, OSU can be a very boomer school sometimes. Um, and so they are still like, well, remember how it used to be? And I'm like, yeah, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because at that point, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of arguments that you could make of, well, it's not as bad as it used to be. Right. <laughs> and it's like, eh, I don't know if that's really the argument we want to be making here. Now football much smaller scale, but, um, yeah, it, it, it just seems like we should be taking a lot more steps up. We should have a lot higher expectations, but we just don't. So long story short, I'm pretty underwhelmed every single year when it comes to OSU. If if we aren't winning the Big 12 championship and winning our New Year's Six bowl game,
0: so how so how do you view last season? As you're underwhelmed, didn't win? Yeah, you know, we won one of those two. Um,
1: it was as close as I got to being expectations. Without getting there, literally, literally like six inches,
0: <laughs> and a horse collar tackle. But we'll leave that where it is. I, well, I I, I was seven um,
1: power plays away from from being fulfilled.
0: That's that's fair. I see. I view last season as as a success. Twelve and two. Coming into the season, did not have high expectations. I mean, coming into the season, we're talking about a team that lost our wide receiver and our running back, you know, Chuba Hubbard and Tylen Wallace. So last season, and Sanders, who I didn't have a lot of faith in, coming into last season, I was like, all right, we'll see how good we can do. I think my prediction for the season was like eight and five, you know, or I guess seven and five, excuse me. So I was like, all right, like we'll see how good we can do, and then we ended up going twelve and two, like you know, or ten and you know. 10-2 in the regular season. So, I mean, yeah, I guess there's there's differences in opinion, and you're right. Like, why aren't we getting better year over year? But I would say, you know, last year we got better than the year before, and the year before that. It's nice to not play Ole Miss in the, you know, the Sugar Bowl I, and actually win. I, I agree. I agree
1: with that. But this is. This is the problem with a lot of the Gundy teams. We've seen what happens usually after we have a really good year. Might have another one and then we just tank.
0: We play Central Michigan to open up the season and then they have an untimed down. I guess we play this year. There you go. Open up the season. It's just I guess I'm getting I guess I'm getting um I'm not as I'm not as uh, complacent. I'm kind of like more excited year over year. All right, like the see the scene looks like it's getting better. Now it's not as incremental, but it's like, all right, there's only so much more room you can grow. Like we're at the 90% mark and we got to get those last 10%, but it's going to take maybe 10 years to get that 1% each year in my mind. Whereas getting the first 90% took 15 years, you know? And maybe that's just the big right. difference. So I don't know. Maybe just give us an opinion. The-
1: the the way, you know, when I brought up AM, I guess my thing is our expectations should be where theirs are. Like recruiting class out the window. But but our our expectations for what we expect us to do every year should be where theirs are because I think AM does go into every year, you know, even if Kellen Mund is their quarterback thinking we should go to the playoffs.
3: Whether or Whereas, not they have any right to feel that way.
1: Right, right. And and I think but there's a difference between like expectation of like this is what I expect versus this is what is going to happen. Like, you know, I'm sure AM fans would walk up and be like, Yeah, we're going to the playoff this year. And I'm like, No, you're not. Now if, you, if that is your expectation as a fan, I think that's completely fair. But there's a, there's a pretty big gap between, like, this is what I want and this is what should, we should be doing as a program versus this is where I think we actually are. Because I expect OSU to go to the playoff, but I don't think we're there. Does that make sense? But I think that's also where Texas A&M is, too.
0: I mean the Texas A&M comparison I get I to be honest though I feel like Texas A&M and Texas have a lot of similarities at least as far as the offseason stuff goes we hear a lot about recruiting we hear a lot about recruiting like just almost hit over the head repeatedly with it and then when it comes to on-field production like I I'm I'm willing to bet that A&M has a better record over the past three seasons than Texas quite easily but maybe it's not I don't know like I just they're in the SEC. Well, I'm not following Texas a that, that much where I'm following Texas a bunch.
1: That That's why I say A&M and OSU compared to Texas because, I mean, Patrick, I don't need to keep kicking you while you're down, but but our record has been better than
3: yours. I'm not down. Since. We're going 11-1. and one. Since. Uh, yeah. yeah. They're being yeah, banned. You're right. like You completely uh, missed the first <laughs> part of the podcast if you're saying that. One 5-7 and seven <laughs> year does not a down program make.
0: <laughs> they're they're not um, going over five hundred this year. They're going six more wins than they had last year.
2: Yeah,
3: let's, let's get this right. It's going to be night right. and day. It's night a it's, it's a day. Michigan
2: State twenty 2020
3: twenty to twenty twenty one improvement. Ooh, yeah, seriously. Exactly. A good exactly. But, but, I am a huge yeah, Michigan
2: I, State fan for the record, so that's how I had that on so is.
3: quick. already. <laughs> <coach. laughs> yeah, I, I, I think
1: that is. The, I think that is the the natural comparison because A and M has had a better record over since they joined the sec a better dentist. um just like we have since Texas
3: i would want to look that up i'm i'm not actually sure that that's the case it might be but i i i not I, I can't say that i i would i i should have prepared for that but i i think i think you're right and i i, I do i think um i hate to say it but some, some programs have have no no dude I, some programs have ceilings and like, like OSU just doesn't have the budget that, that A&M and Texas do. And it's like, they just, they're, they're just not going to get the recruits every, every few years, a school like OSU is going to spike up like they did last year. They're going to go win a new year's six bowl, like you said. And like, I think that should be a really successful year. For OSU, like that should be that would be a real successful year for Texas where they are right now. Like you saw how how much Texas's fan base acted like we won the national championship when we won the Sugar Bowl. You know, we're back and all that. So it's like I I I think that's I think it's okay. I mean, there's uh, there's a group of about fifteen schools that can win the national championship. I think, and some some school a lot of schools just aren't in that. So I think I think that's I think that's realistic for a lot of a lot of schools to and to say.
1: How how often would you say OSU is in that group?
3: The group of schools that can win the national championship?
1: Yeah, that that 15. Hardly ever. That you
3: unfortunately. Why is that? Because because when because even no one went into this past season of OSU football, saying OSU, you know, aside from maybe their fans, but nobody went right. into that season going look out for OSU's defense. You know, they're going to be a top five defense in the country, you know, like because they just like the 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 players, like the the recruits just just hadn't been there you go. close to the level. There
0: it well, is. And, and not even that, no one was no, one was, <laughs> no, no one was thinking. No one was thinking Oklahoma yeah. State would be top 10 in the country at the end of the season last year. What's your work? That should be a giant, giant accomplishment
3: just because they didn't win the national championship. Like, that shouldn't be the expectation. Winning a national championship. I feel like Tottenham. Go
1: ahead. Will, it feels like Tottenham. We're like celebrating Uh her day, guys.
2: Who are we talking about? Which team is Tottenham? Oh, was. Oh, don't make me dislike OSU more. <laughs> we have we have
1: we have trophies though, so it's a little different. Um, yeah, yeah. No, but it's but it's like we're we're celebrating consolations. You know, it's like hey, Mike I, Gundy, Alamo Bowl.
0: Yeah, I mean, but I, hell yeah. yeah. Okay, so this this is a very recent thing, but this is where my this is why my position are OSU are not like national championship, college football playoffs, whatever year in, year out, or even, like, this next season. Like, next season, I think we should sniff the college playoffs again, but they're not, oh, my gosh, college playoffs are bust because of this main thing here. Earlier this week, Texas Tech put out they're going to, like, have a NIL deal for, I think, any guy who goes there for, like, $100,000 or so that's a starter. I mean, I forget how exactly it works, but it's a big NIL deal for Texas Tech um, football players.
2: Oklahoma uh, State. 20, 25000
0: Oh, thank you, thank you. Okay, so not, uh, no, I just 100. read the
2: article on that earlier today, so that's why I remember that. Uh, no, thanks so but much. it's Still a pretty significant amount,
0: right? I mean, that's that's more than it costs to go to Oklahoma State year over year, right? So, yeah, and I know there are in scholarships, so that's just that's just a ton of money to pay. I mean, that's, I mean, not to put it necessarily in horrible terms here, but that's like ten thousand dollars less than some than Oklahoma teachers make in a year. So, like, yeah, just for comparison aspect. When all this is like learned on Twitter, then Oklahoma State. Players start retweeting this, like Cowboy Players Fund, where it's like, "Hey, donate to this fund. Donate to this fund." There's a donor who will match up to a million dollars. Right? This isn't a, oh well, Texas Tech's able to do this, so now it's State's going to come out with all this information, and maybe it'll all come out by the, before I even finish editing this podcast to put out. Right? But we're not in the same stratosphere as Texas or OU in recruiting dollars. We're not in the same stratosphere as a lot of it. I'm willing to give Gundy a ton of credit for getting a bunch of our players to be that good, to be on the same level as those guys when they actually are on the field, right? Like, okay, you got the Shreden brothers or Shredden brothers who came, come into Oklahoma State this year. One's a tight end, one's a wide receiver. I believe one's a four-star, one's a three-star, on how you look at it. If both those guys end up getting drafted, that's a big success for Oklahoma State. But... If both those guys went to Texas Tech, those guys would be making headlines for Texas Tech. And the key difference here is that one school is like, yeah, all, all players $25,000 a year for football. Oklahoma State, I don't think it's I don't think it's that. I mean, I, there's just not either it's not the same transparency, whatever it may be, but I'm still viewing a lot of Oklahoma State players as, oh man, I can't believe that's great that we got a four-star quarterback in Spencer Sanders. Yeah, recruited like I'm like, I'm hanging my hat like, all right, this is awesome. And I'm not going, Okay, it should be championship because you know what? The Quinn Ewers, the Archie Manning, the um, even Dylan Gabriel is a transfer. But like the Baker Mayfield and Baker's a weird one, but like the Kyler Murray, maybe I'll say it that way. Transfer. But the other OU like quarterback recruits that come in. And the Texas quarterback recruits and the other recruits that come in, period like Oklahoma State. When's the last time we had a five star quarterback or a five star recruit, period. And I just don't, whereas at least OU has those. At least, I mean, Texas has plenty of those too. So I'm not saying it just, you know, you get five stars, that means golf ball playoffs in four years. But I am going to, I got to look at what a recruiting is at least and go, you know what? Like this means that we should be able to get this far minimum, but this means that we could get this far maximum. And this far maximum is not national championship, or cultural playoff year in year out when, like I don't know what our average recruiting class ranking is, but it's not top ten. And I know that doesn't mean it's not that's awful. not. It's, but I know it's not the end all be all because A and M and Texas not both have 25. that. Yeah, it's just we're not there with the. I, I guess my thing is I, have those expectations this is my point.
1: I guess my thing is I'd rather go. If I were OSU and you and you get to, you know, brag about turning these two stars into great players, just imagine what it's like if you got four stars. That, like, that that's kind of my thing. And I don't know, but the four stars we get kind of suck. Like, they, and by suck, I mean they're not four stars. Like, Spencer Sanders is... That dude was a four-star recruit and Gatorade, whatever Texas, blah blah blah. How? I mean, because he was running all over high school kids. I, you know it, and so I guess that's my thing. It's like, okay, if if you're sitting, if we're sitting here saying, oh, we're really good at developing players, we should be better at developing players that are better. But for some reason, that's just not what we do. And Calvin, you and I always go back to the the Dax Hill thing. Where it's like we have the dude's brother on the roster and he's at Booker T and Tulsa and we don't even try.
0: Meanwhile, Jim Harbaugh flies his helicopter down. You got me on that one. That's that's totally... And because you're right, the the three-slash-four-stars that we get, right, that are notable, that we hear about, whatever, you're right. Those guys don't end up just <laughs> shining lights out in the NFL. Now, Tylen Wallace, mm-hmm. it's TBD. He's a rarely new player in the NFL. But he was, I believe, a four-star coming to Oklahoma State. Ends up being drafted in the third round, I want to say, if my memory serves me correctly, maybe fourth. And has not been a guy for the Ravens roster. Maybe he will be now because they've, I mean... Long story short, they've traded the guy, but it's so maybe we'll also have a, more of a chance here, but you know, James Washington was a two-star and it's being drafted. It, you know, there are those success stories, but you know, you're, you're right. Like the, the guys that we have that are that borderline three or four star don't end up being like the best player on our roster every single year. Sometimes they are, but you know, Wallace, I think got unlucky with injury history, but but no, you bring up a great point because the guys who do come in Oklahoma State who like are those higher recruits who would maybe help us get even higher recruits don't end up being like, you know, whatever that room for improvement is. It's almost like we're really good at scouting those two stars that maybe should have been really yeah. recruited as four stars, but we're finding them in, you know, in the middle of nowhere. But no, I mean, it's a good point. I just don't have those expectations because i If most of our class was like top 20... Year in, year out, then I'd go, yeah, you know what? What's Gundy doing? What's the deal? But just unfortunately, we're not there yet. I do think, yeah. but I do know for sure when OU and Texas are both not in the conference anymore, no matter what, it should be a big championship or bust every year. And that, that that's where you're at right now, yeah. which I get because I feel like we're right on the doorstep every single year, too.
1: Yeah, that, that one's pretty, that one's pretty easy for me. And, you know, like. I guess the thing with the two star making them into good players, like that's not just an OSU thing. Like other schools also do that. So Baker Mayfield won the Heisman and he was a walk-on, and I know that's talked about frequently, but you know, it it's it's not like OSU is the only school that does that. So why don't we go for the bigger players? That that's kind of my thing. That's just something that I would like to see, but I also think that that might be something that Derek Mason breaks coming from the SEC.
0: Totally, man. That's that's the hope, right? Now we got an Auburn defensive coordinator coming to Oklahoma State, so we're you know we're this team that's seen and being better. At the, you know, I know Auburn's a lot of stuff going on, but you know it's a better opportunity to Oklahoma State than it is staying where he's at. So love to see that. That's an improvement for sure. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like if the big 12 could add in, you know, we'll kind of go back to that for half a second here. So we end this one out, but if big 12 could add in Arizona, Arizona state, at least be a lot closer to LA. Patrick, and I could, uh, you know, make a drive over for an Oklahoma state, Arizona game. I'm sure Patrick would just love to go to that. But, you know, with all being said, um, <laughs> I, I hope the big 12 does expand. I think the big 12 will expand. And I, you know, personally, of course, hope it's to one of the Arizona schools or, I mean, be great if it was to University of California, Irvine, for that matter, right? Make it a 30-minute drive, but in all reality here, I hope San it's Diego State. Arizona. San Diego State would
1: also be pretty cool. <laughs> Let's add
0: UCSD into the Big 12. God. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Draw the line at some point. No. UCI <laughs> was the line. Um,
2: point Loma Nazarene? Or the <laughs> Yeah, Which one is the banana slugs? Is that UC Santa Barbara, Santa Cruz? Yeah. I want to say. There you go, Maybe. Big 12. Santa Cruz. Pound. Ah, yeah, Big 12. Pound.
3: We need more live mascots, so yeah, some banana slugs <laughs> would be perfect.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, with all that being uh, all being said here, I the L- 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 Big 12 has got a lot of stuff going on. Patrick, well, I got one last question for you guys. How do you think OU and Texas, respectively? I'll ask Willie first. Will do in the SEC. Do you see next first five years in the SEC? In the SEC do you see OU making the College World Playoffs? Just kind of yes or no, or you, I mean, if it's a maybe, then that's fine too.
2: Yes. Okay. Because, well, one because the playoff field is most likely going to expand in those first five years, just right. automatically increasing the odds. But I also think the program is building up to compete in the SEC and be at that caliber in the first place. I'm not saying they're going to win it every year and they're going to make the playoff every year. But if you give it five years from day one, I think so. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And I, I think I think Texas, they would have to be seriously snake bit you know, to not be a top four team at the end of one of these seasons, you know, in the next five years, um, you know, with, with all the money they're putting in the program, all the, all the recruiting, you know, the coaching, all of this, I think they're, they're doing everything necessary to win, including going to the conference, you know, with the highest profile and the most winners in general. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I do think they make the playoff. I think, you know, let's, I'll even just say a top four team. You know, let's say they're in the final four. You know, if it expands, like I still think that's the benchmark for being a championship caliber team, you know, because you could, you know, Texas could obviously, they could absolutely sneak in, you know, as as like the 11 seed, you know, in a 12 team playoff. But it's not like you're going to look back on that year, even if they win a playoff game or something as, okay, that looks like a championship team, you know. Because if you're ten and two, chances are you lost a game you probably shouldn't have. So, but I, I think, I think yes, I think they'll they'll be in the championship discussion in that in those first five years. Awesome. Well,
0: Jake, any other final thoughts to close this one out? Go Braves. Go Padres. Go. go Astros. Will go Rangers. Am I right? Yes, sir thank you guys so much for listening and join me here for the latest episode of the cj tour podcast please follow at the cj tour on twitter and instagram for more and thank you guys so much we'll catch you again soon later